Welcome to Surgical Readings from SRGS, a podcast brought to you by the American College of Surgeons. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Green, and in this series, we will talk to the editors and experts featured in Selected Readings in General Surgery, a publication that highlights highly relevant and practice-changing information from the world's most prominent medical journals. As busy professionals, we don't always have time to read the most current studies. The goal of this podcast is to bring that information to you, providing key takeaways, insights, and perspectives from leading authorities in all surgical specialties and multidisciplinary areas that affect the surgical patient. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not necessarily that of the American College of Surgeons. Today on Surgical Readings from SRGS, it's uh, my real uh, honor and pleasure uh, to be talking with Dr. Uh, Zach Deitch, who's the Assistant Professor in the Department of Surgery in the Division of Transplantation at Northwestern University School of Medicine. Uh, Zach, welcome. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I, I want to congratulate you uh, as a associate editor uh, in this particular area of liver disease, because I, I think this is a magnificent uh, series uh, in SRGS, and uh, we're going to be talking about our, our, first, uh, our first volume, uh, if you will. Uh, one of the things that we want to do is talk about things that really involve uh, general surgeons and surgeons and other uh, specialties regarding uh, liver disease. So one of the things I want to ask you about is the concept of non-alcoholic fatty, fatty liver disease, uh, as well as non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. And I was wondering if you would just uh, talk a little about that as far as the, uh, the concept of, of, of those. You deal with this, of course, uh, in your transplantation work, and, and talk a little about what they mean for, for surgeons in general. Sure. Obviously, you know, in the work that I do, um, I'm seeing patients with the advanced forms of NAFLD, uh, NASH, and advanced cirrhosis. So, um, but I think, you know, the um, NAFLD is a very prevalent disease, increasingly so. Um, it coincides with the uh, increase in common comorbidities that we're seeing in the United States and surgency every day. So, obesity, dyslipidemia diabetes, hypertension, metabolic syndrome, uh, things that general surgeons everywhere are seeing uh, and, and physicians everywhere are seeing increasingly. So uh, non-NAFLD um, is characterized by fatty deposition of uh, triglycerides in uh, hepatocytes. So NASH is a subtype, an inflammatory subtype of NAFLD, uh, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, and uh, this is associated with um, obviously a subtype of NAFLD that causes inflammation and in its most advanced forms will cause uh, fibrosis and uh, potentially even cirrhosis. And this can be an indication for liver transplant in some circumstances. So obviously we, we, we need to identify these things early on uh, in, in any operation that we do. I was wondering uh, if you could just talk a little about what approach we should take. I know and certainly in the area of bariatric surgery, uh, there's great concern about uh, what's going on in the liver. What, what type of approaches should we take to recognize uh, the underlying uh, liver disease? So it can be quite challenging. I, uh, obviously with, with you know, NAFLD may affect up to 
30% of patients today in the United States. And that alone is not necessarily concerning, but the folks that we're most concerned about are going to be those with uh, NASH that has caused advanced fibrosis. Um, and so that that is a much smaller population of those with NAFLD. So NASH probably affects three to 6% of uh, patients in the United States. And even fewer percentage of those will have advanced fibrosis. Um, and that's that's a particular concern for surgeons, and I think general surgeons who are contemplating uh, elective surgery because um, the changes uh, that the, the portal, portal hypertension and manifestations of advanced fibrosis and cirrhosis can complicate um, uh, our surgeries uh, and 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 make surgery quite challenging uh, for. Uh, in, in you know the elective setting for for general surgeons, so I think um, having a high degree of uh, suspicion when when you're sitting across from patients in in the clinic um, is um, is is important. And so uh, uh, seeing patients who have the coexistence of common comorbidities associated with NAFLD, obesity, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, these are um, you know, probably your first signs or or reasons to be to suspect the the possibility of NASH, and then often on um, common preoperative laboratory work LFTs, you may see an elevation transaminitis, and very rarely you may see um, uh, changes in the in um, physical manifestations of of advanced liver disease. But these these are often subtle and um, hard to detect. So when I'm sitting across from patients, you know, I'll, I'll look at labs. I'll, if I notice a thrombocytopenia, that really um, uh, uh, raises some concern for me. And, um, and, and that's, that's kind of a, a, a place to start. So uh, obviously taking a good history, knowing about these things, uh, doing laboratory function, what about imaging? Where, where does, what, what is the role of imaging uh, in these disease processes? Sure. So I think um, in patients who present with abnormal LFTs, patients in, in whom you have uh, significant concern for NASH or, or uh, advanced fibrosis, it's reasonable to get an ultrasound, a uh, liver ultrasound, which is a pretty simple, um, easily available study that can be, be performed competently in, in most places. Um, that may detect, um, you know, steatosis or other um, pathologic changes that are associated with um, NAFLD and NASH um, or even advanced uh, fibrosis. And there are other more uh, advanced imaging modalities that can also assist uh, in kind of your risk stratification, trying to characterize the degree of disease. So in particular, ultrasound, elastography, uh, MR, elastography, and um, something called vibration-controlled transient elastography, which is more commonly known as a fiber scan. Uh, these are technologies that are increasingly available in the outpatient setting. Um, so these are uh, things that I would recommend general surgeons, general surgeons consider obtaining um, when possible and when they're, they're worried about um, uh, advanced liver disease in patients. So obviously, uh, we're, we're talking about a transition uh, of, uh, of NASH and NAFLD into uh, portal hypertension. 
and then we have to think about it, the management of that. So how do we know a patient is trans, uh, transferring into a portal hypertension state? What are the things that we should look for? What are the things we should do to assess this? So on your, um, you know, the, the characteristic manifestations of, of um, you know, decompensated uh, cirrhosis or going to be ascites, um, uh, 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 patients may have uh, hepatic encephalopathy in, in um, advanced settings, may develop uh, hepatorenal syndrome. Um, and um, on imaging, you may see features that uh, are associated with portal hypertension. So recanalized umbilical veins, um, uh, splenorenal shunts, uh, and other manifestations of um, portal hypertension that has caused distortions in the um, architecture of the liver and um, altered blood flow uh, as a result. So obviously, uh, you know, for for most of us who are getting involved in, in operating on these patients, no matter what the uh, surgical illness is, we have to optimize a patient. We have to look for any type of uh, uh, mechanism or, or scoring systems. And uh, of course, I'm familiar uh, with the uh, child pew classification. What, what other scoring systems and what other ways do you recommend that we assess these patients preoperatively? Sure, I, th I think the... Um... Increasingly, we're recognizing that you know, score, traditional scores like the Child Pew score and the MELD score are um, somewhat suboptimal, I think, for predicting um, perioperative risk in patients with advanced liver disease. Um, in recent years, there is a, a, a risk calculator that I think does have better performance in predicting um, post-operative mortality and decompensation in these patients. It's, it's called the um, vocal pen risk calculator. So developed using Veterans Affairs data by a team from uh, University of Pennsylvania that um, has performed um, pretty well in predicting post-operative mortality and decompensation. And I found that it actually um, has uh, given me more comfort in um, performing elective surgery on um, uh, cirrhotic patients um, than might the MELT score or the or the child Pew score. So you have, you have to remember that, um, for example, that the MELD score um, has to be taken with a grain of salt. And, um, you know, a patient on dialysis will, will have a MELD score of 20, even without um, any liver disease whatsoever. Uh, and it wasn't designed to predict um, post-operative mortality. So it's, it's, a, it's a good indication of, um, Using the appropriate setting to predict uh, risk of mortality and liver disease, but there's a lot of nuance to it, and it's not. I haven't found it to be terribly helpful in um, predicting post-operative um, complications after after elective surgery. Well, obviously, we don't uh, live in a vacuum as, as surgeons. We have others who help us: uh, gastroenterologists, hepatologists. What, what is the value of looking at this as a, as a team effort uh, for endoscopy, for instance? Uh, what is your recommendation uh, for your specialty areas to, to see these patients? Yeah, for sure. I think tra you know, transplant in particular is the ultimate team sport. So we rely heavily on our, um, our uh, colleagues in 
uh, hepatology, gastroenterology, interventional radiology. These these folks are invaluable resources. Um, and I think to the extent that you have a strong supporting staff um, and, and colleagues who can help you manage patients with uh, portal hypertension and advanced liver disease, um, that should, that can give you more comfort in taking chances on, in elective surgery on, uh, in these patients. Um, I certainly would recommend um, ha- involving uh, gastroenterologists with expertise in managing liver disease early on uh, when considering elective surgery in, in, in patients with advanced liver disease. And then you also have to just put a plug in to consider uh, early referral for transplant evaluation uh, in patients that um, have advanced liver disease and, and are at risk of decompensating postoperatively. Well, we talk about uh, TIPS, uh, transhepatic, intrahepatic, portosystemic shunts. And what, what is your recommendation as far as when to consider a TIPS procedure and how does that really help you preoperatively? I think the most common scenario in which a TIPS um, is probably something that general surgeons should are going to want to think about is in dealing with um, patients with hernia in need of hernia repairs in the setting of uncontrolled ascites, so decompensated cirrhosis. And I think uh, controlling ascites preoperatively is essential. And uh, TIPS is is a very helpful adjunct uh, to to do that. Um, Many patients will, will be candidates for TIPS, but others will not. Uh, and when when not um, a candidate for TIPS, then, then we have to think about other mechanisms or uh, other ways to control ascites, such as paracentesis and increased diuretic therapy and other medical therapy. But uh, TIPS is a very useful adjunct to get ascites under control. So Zach, uh, obviously um, in, in your area of, of interest in medicine is transplantation. So at what point uh, after we look at uh, NASH and we, we look at uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, do we, do we think about transplantation in this patient population? That's a, that's a great question. There are, you know, with NASH affecting three to 6% of the population, there are huge numbers uh, in the United States that um, they're, they're affected by NASH. Uh, only a small percentage of these patients, maybe 15% or so will eventually develop cirrhosis. And of those, an even smaller percentage will require uh, a a liver transplant. And so the um, scenarios in which I I think we need to start thinking about transplant are when patients manifest signs of of decompensation. So ascites, hepatic encephalopathy, uh, bleeding, uh, gastrointestinal bleeding from esophageal varices and, and other manifestations, sarcopenia, et cetera. Um, but it's never too early to think about it um, because uh, decompensation can actually progress fairly quickly and unexpectedly. So patients may get sick with an infection or have another decompensating event and actually uh, decompensate fairly rapidly. So um, I think if, if we're thinking about, uh, you know, if we see a patient with advanced liver disease cirrhosis, uh, and any signs of decompensation, I think that's the time to at least meet with a hepatologist and consider transplant evaluation. It's very valuable. So finally, I want to ask you, because again, for 
the, the listeners uh, of this particular discussion uh, who are not transplanters, uh, not necessarily doing a lot of liver surgery, but have to take care of patients perioperatively. Uh, how do we re really take care of these patients to avoid uh, decompensation uh, in the cirrhotic patient? What are the, what are the important elements that, we, that the general surgeon has to think about? Sure. So I think the, the first thing one needs to be prepared for is to see some, some degree of decompensation. So we may see elevated LFTs, <clears throat> um, uh, an INR bump, um, and may see uh, in a patient, for example, who doesn't have ascites, may see the development of ascites over uh, the following days and weeks after surgery. So <clears throat> it's important to recognize that um, some of these changes may happen early, but others may happen after the patient's left the hospital, for example. So one of the key things, certainly when patients are in the hospital, it would be important to uh, restrict stodium. So uh, limit the crystalloids. Um, these patients will accumulate fluids, become hyponatremic. Uh, so it's important uh, to consider fluid restriction and, um, and sodium restriction. Um, these um, patients should be restarted in general um, on their um, uh, medications for, for liver disease. So if patients are on, for example, lactulose or rifaximin for hepatic encephalopathy, there should be um, very little delay in restarting those. Obviously, as, you know, assuming a patient does have an ileus, um, they can be restarted in their lactulose right away. Diuretic therapy should be started pretty early on. Um, I, I start patients back on their home medications as early as possible, often the night after night of surgery. Um, and then I think it's important to recognize that these decompensating events can happen after the patient leaves the hospital. So it's a good idea to have close follow-up, uh, check in with the patient at a minimum within a week or two of surgery and probably follow with some LFTs and, and liver labs uh, and, and to look for any other signs of decompensation. Well, that's very valuable. You know, uh, so many of the operations that are done involve uh, perioperative anticoagulation. I was wondering, what is your recommendation for thoughts about anticoagulation in this patient population? Yeah, so that's an int interesting question. So often these patients will present with abnormal uh, coagulation parameters, um, but in fact, they may be hypercoagulable. So I would... Um, I, I would proceed, you know, um, with anticoagulation as you would with any other patient. So DVT prophylaxis is is, uh, is um, certainly indicated in these patients. Uh, early ambulation, SCDs, etc. Um, I think hemostasis is is uh, uh, on the other hand exceptionally important when you're operating on a patient with portal hypertension, um, and. For that, um, I think it's it's uh, even more important that you are meticulous to hemostasis uh, in the operating room before you leave. These are excellent points. We've been talking to uh, Dr. Zachary Deitch, who's uh, in the Department of Surgery, Division of Transplantation at Northwestern. Uh, Zach, thanks so much for being with us on Surgical Readings. Thanks so much for having me. Enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us on Surgical Readings from SRGS, a podcast brought to you by the American College of Surgeons. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please let your friends, trainees, and colleagues know about the podcast. On social media, use the hashtag surgicalreadings. 
You can subscribe to selected readings in general surgery at facs.org slash srgs. Options are available for individuals, institutions, and residents. I'm Dr. Rick Green. Until next time, thank you for listening and learning.